0: How long can this growth last? Forever. I don't think Gucci is in a fashion cycle. The idea from the very beginning was very much to have products that are exclusive, but to create a culture of inclusivity.
1: When you think about the growth in this market. What have been the the key drivers here? I think in China, here and now, is more important than the
0: past. We need to reduce the control freak attitude that is typical of the Western manager. The world today is much more flexible, and if you resonate and you talk in, in a way that is authentic, with the right narrative, and with a passion, then you can really change the strategy.
1: Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion, and welcome to a very special edition of Inside Fashion on the BOF Podcast. A Few months ago, earlier this year in March, I had a chit-chat with Marco Bizzari that was one of the most popular episodes on the podcast this year, and so we're delighted to welcome Marco Bizzari, CEO of Gucci, back to the BOF Podcast this time in a conversation I had with him at Shanghai at the annual BOF China Summit. There's been a lot of conversation this year about the Chinese market and whether we can continue to expect it to grow. Well, Marco had all the answers and he also told me why thus far, Gucci has stayed away from joining platforms like Tmall and JD.com. So here's Marco Bizzari inside fashion at the BOF China Summit in Shanghai. So Marco, The Gucci business has basically doubled since 2015, and the whole industry has been watching. And I'm going to start by asking you the question that everybody asks me, which is, how long can this growth last? Forever. (laughs) So there was this video that leaked last week of you um, speaking to your employees and in the video, apparently, you are reassuring your employees that the growth is going to continue. Not necessarily forever, but that it's going to continue for, for the you know, foreseeable future. Yes. Tell me um, why you are so confident about the continued growth of Gucci.
0: So talk about the video. The, the video was stolen by someone in the sense that it was an internal video, it was supposed to be an internal video. Um, the reason why i 'm confident I think that uh, is due to the fact that Alessandro Michele created the world in itself uh, we are, i don 't think Gucci is in a fashion cycle, uh, that of course i don 't have any crystal ball, uh, but that is my impression it 's something that is very much related to the culture that we try to implement in Gucci, uh, pushing uh, boundaries all the time, keep on keeping on pushing boundaries. so the risk that we can run is to be completely complacent, meaning that uh, you feel the success is too too big. Um, And the idea of the video was not really to to say that we are slowing down. It's not the case. What I was watching is that in certain cases, certain shops, after two, three years of triple digit, double digit, uh, our sales staff was a little bit worried of not growing at the same percentage rate. But the 40% of last year is the 20% of this year because the base is much bigger. So what I was telling them is that the reason that we are running we could run is that we lose the kind of joy and happiness that was the base of the success of Gucci from the very beginning. If you feel scared or threatened, especially in a shop where you stay there eight hours a day standing and waiting for the customer, et cetera, and you're you are afraid, it's the worst thing that could happen to us. So the point is not that we are slowing down at all. I mean, the, the brand has never been so hot like, like today. It was just a matter of, of telling my people and my team that they need to keep on enjoying the ride and keep on being happy, and happy because I mean we are, we are there to continue to grow in this way, but without too much pressure, because otherwise we lose what was the, big, the, the reason of the success of Gucci, that was everything is centered into creativity. And creativity can be fostered only if the ambience is, the, is a good one, if the people are happy and they feel good in, in coming to work. So I don't want to lose that. So it's not a matter of slowing down to me. It's, it's a matter of making people aware that even if, you know, 100% of zero is zero. Yeah. So it's uh, the point, if you change the base and we double the business in three years. So of course, we could have shops that are slowing down a little bit. But frankly, I
1: mean, I'm not worried. Okay. So a big part of that growth, Marco, was driven here in the Chinese market. And that's obviously the reason that we're, ho- we're all here today. Recently, there was some concern in the financial markets that you know, there was a crackdown on the so-called Daigu and that could dent growth here in China. You're not concerned about this? Listen, I, I control what
0: I can control. I mean, if they, the Chinese authorities decide to stop the Daigo, what can I do? So I think a fashion business, a luxury business has been forever uh, very flexible, and we need to maintain this flexibility. Currency fluctuation, traffic flows, uh, Daigo duties, I mean, something that we really cannot control as a company. So as a CEO, I need to control what I can master. So. If it's gonna happen, I hope that the Chinese customers they're gonna spend more in China. So we do our best to increase the shopping experience in China. So it's not a matter of being worried or not. I think we just need to be flexible enough to uh, allocate or reallocate resources according to the the scenario.
1: Okay, when you think about the growth in this market, and I think it also roughly doubled over the past three years, what have been the, the key drivers here in this market that have driven such explosive growth, and how do they differ perhaps from the, the drivers in other parts of the world, if at all?
0: If you if look at the I mean principle, um, I think in China, um, the usual values where the luxury grew in the past, like heritage, history, etc., are not so relevant or not as relevant. I think in China, here and now, is more important than the past. And that resonates a lot from what we started doing like three years ago in Gucci, where we really wanted to um, f- looking at and, and focusing on the future and not on the past um, and, and moving from a rational uh, values that is the typical quality craftsmanship to emotional values, to something that is more related to uh, experience, connection, communities, etc. So that has been true as a strategy from the brand from the very vegi- for the brand from the very beginning. But in China, because uh, the, I mean, the, the younger generation has been the, the first one in, in catching this new trend of Gucci. It's even more relevant. When I joined Gucci at the beginning, they told me, you can never be successful in China because the younger generation will never buy a brand that their parents bought in the past. Yeah,
1: no one wants to wear their father's exactly. brand. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, and you know what? I mean, the Chinese customers were the first one in embracing the new Gucci. So I think that we need to be very careful in reading and following the usual, uh, I mean, way of uh, doing business. I think the world today is much more flexible and if you resonate and you talk in, in a way that is authentic, with the right narrative, with a passion that is, is, uh, is part of the, of the values of the brand, then you can really change to change the strategy and, and have a success.
1: So why do you think it was customers in this market that responded so quickly, maybe more quickly than consumers in other markets? What is it about the customer here? I think that the contemporary culture here is
0: more important than in any other um, uh, region of the world. Um, and i mean linking to what i was saying before here and now is more important than the past so in in that specific context digital social uh, experience playing a very important role and i think that if you look at the average age, age of luxury customer in china it's, it's 28 years old so it's very very young so yeah. uh, the digital content becomes even more important so digital first even than print in I mean before any other region i think so um if you are able to to uh, reconcile this uh, digital world together with experiences. That is uh, exactly what you can find in the brick and mortar shop because I, I really believe that the future of brick and mortar is still very relevant. Because yes, there is a lot of people that shop just on digital, but overall 60, 70, 65% of, um, of customers, they, they research online and they buy offline. And the experience in the shop becomes key in the sense that if you're able to to pursue the same way, the same values that we have as a company, that is the the, the values of joy, happiness, real welcome, being passionate and generally curious about the customer that is in front of you. So created a kind of no distance in the shop that was typical of the previous way of thinking about luxury. So the experience that you create in the shops really resonates with, with, with with the Chinese culture that is very much about experience. So the two together
1: work uh, very well. These, these young luxury customers here, you said, with the average of 28 years, they're also notoriously fickle, right? So they will go from one brand to another brand, to another, they'll go to the hottest thing. How, how do you keep them loyal? Well, two
0: considerations. The first one is that what we see in Gucci, that's exactly the reverse the more loyal customers are the younger generation. That they buy with an average price that is higher, retention rate is higher. So the question for me is not about the customers or the younger generation, it's about what you propose. So if you are able to always surprise and to maintain this engagement, this uh, um, um, conversation with the customer at the level that they expect, they're not going to lose you. And then as a brand, of course, uh, you have some value that you can share with the customers and you need to promote them. So again, I, I, I don't think that there's just a way of looking at, um, at these KPIs. It very much depends what you do. Uh, and if, if you do it in a proper way, and if you are not uh, afraid of taking risks and making mistakes, that is exactly what, what brings us to, to, to growing much, farther, much, much faster than, than the, the market. I think that uh, if, you, if you are able to do so in the future, and uh,
1: you you really want to be, to be at the edge, I need to continue to do so. So can you give us an example of some specific you know, tactics or strategies you've used in this market that continue to surprise the customer, as you say, that, you know, that take them by surprise so they, they keep their loyalty? Uh, I don't know. OK, okay. I, cannot, I cannot
0: share any, <laughs> any secret. <laughs> Um, but what I can say is that um, from the beginning, when we started the new Gucci, uh, we were very directional uh, in China. So we were doing the content in the headquarter, pushing down, and I think at that moment it was the right thing to do because it was not clear to anybody what Gucci was about. So now that it's more clear, what is happening is that we interact a lot with the uh, regional uh, team uh, that is briefing us at corporate level, what should be done in certain occasion, for example, uh, Chinese New Year. Uh, be careful in terms of wording, in terms of images. And then we develop the content in the corporate level with our, with our structure. And then all the wording is translated, so the voice is Chinese driven. So, And we listen a lot to our um, Chinese team, because uh, luckily it's super talented. And, and then we need to use them. In the sense that I mean, was uh, Steve Jobs was saying that there's no need to hire talents in your company if you then you tell them what to do. So you need to use them in the right way. So uh, luckily we are super talents. And I think the more we go forward, the more we need to uh, reduce the control freak attitude that is typical of the Western managers. Because the more you, want you, you grow, the more you want to control by reality. I mean, it's, it's a fake control. You don't control anything. Because, you, I mean, Gucci we have 14,000 people. How can I think of controlling 14,000 people? Impossible. So you need to rely on the personalities and the, and the strengths of the people that you, they work with you and try to retain them. And you can retain them, especially if they are talented, if they have
1: the autonomy to take risks and making mistakes. And the only way they can continue to take risks is if you have real shared clarity around what the company is trying to do. Yeah. And if they have that level of clarity, then they're gonna make decisions that Correct. are consistent with the brand. Um, so what you're saying is that your, your Chinese communications team works within a framework now that's set at the corporate level and it's not just a dictated no. thing. Correct. Um, there's there's a, a, a lot of conversation about, and you, you were referring to it earlier about the, the role of physical retail versus online. And you know, I'm keen to understand your point of view here because um, a lot of brands, Gucci included, has, have made some very significant changes to the retail portfolio here. But as you said earlier, you still see retail as being a super important part of the customer journey. Like, how do you describe the way or the journey a, a customer might take now in this kind of online and offline relationship, something that everyone calls omni-channel or integrated retail. How does it work?
0: I think they, they, they both work in in a, I mean complementary in the sense that if you look at the data in the beginning of 2010 2011 the I mean the, the size of e-commerce I mean China was practically zero for luxury business in 2017 is around five percent it's going to become 15 percent in 2022 2024 I mean according to the to the forecast the point is that um, the brick and mortar will have a future I think even in the longer term as long as you are able to create an experience creating an experience is very much related to the human uh, part of this business i mean i think that in 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 for our business for our positioning technology will never be the competitive edge we we'll never be the competitive differentiator because everybody is going to copy it in a second but the difference will be made by the people so the difference will be made by people that are, I mean, they love to work for the brand, they're proud to work for the brand, they have a, they have a career in the brand, and they're passionate genuinely about the, the customer. So if you, if you are able to create this kind of mixture, this kind of happiness and joy in the, in the, in the shops and, and really give the possibility to the customer to experience something that is more uh, one-to-one and more, and more um, uh, seamless and not... Seeing the luxury uh, shops, like uh, the usual distant shops, where the, everybody was sh- staring at you in a, with a distant look, etc., with, uh, with the
1: security guards, with yeah. the security
0: guards, and we could not even touch uh, products. I mean, the idea from the very beginning was very much to uh, to have products that are exclusive, but to create a culture of inclusivity. Because, I mean, frankly speaking, how can you really speak about exclusivity when you're a business like ours of Louis Vuitton or Chanel that uh, 8 billion euro per year, 8, 9 billion euro. I mean, and every year you start again. So you can exclusive buy product, by certain products for sure. But the very differentiating factor is, is inclusivity factor. The inclusivity factor is feeling at home. So having an experience, touching the product. So going back to the, if you remember back in, in the 70s, in the multi-brand shops, the, uh, the idea that was behind, the reason why they were successful, because the founder of the multi-brand shops knew all the customers, the kids, where they went to school, and you w- were able to enter, maybe you don't remember, in the 70s, but you were able to enter in the shops and touching the product, feeling the atmosphere, feeling the texture. The idea of the shop concept that we decided to, uh, to push in, in Gucci is exactly that. To create this kind of um, I mean, proximity with the customer. That was not the case uh, before. It was not typical of the industry for, in, for, for the past. So that to me, and that is the most difficult, thi- difficult thing to do. Because you talk about culture, you talk about people, and everybody's waking up in the morning and maybe has a different you know, behavior, different uh, attitude. And so you need to keep it up. And the the store director plays a huge role in the shop because he's the leader, everybody's watching the leader in any any kind of, uh, despite the size uh, of business units.
1: You're in the process of of switching the um, formats of some of your stores uh, from the kind of old format to the new uh, kind of concept that was created by Alessandro Michele. What impact does that have to the way a store performs?
0: Uh, it's a huge impact. But first of all, in terms of image, of course, because are, it, it resonates perfectly with the, with the collection. Uh, in terms of uh, sales density, is improving a lot. I mean, uh, the price from the region. In China, is especially exponential. Uh, we, increase the, um, uh, we increase the sales density to 30%, 40%.
1: Just uh, by changing the concept. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because the sales density is bigger in terms of SKU display, but also because I mean, immediately the, the product makes makes a lot much more sense. And by definition, and we go through the to the discussion we, we, we said before. I mean, the, the, the customer feels at home. We increase the traffic because of it. So uh, that's the reason why in China we we are accelerating the process of refurbishment and uh, we are relocating a lot of shops. We relocated already a lot of shops. And we closed some of them in the last three years, so um, the growth has been very much not even like for like because we reduced the number of shops. So that's great.
1: <laughs> the other channel that's really important in this market is the unavoidable platforms. You know, the Alibaba, the JD.com, and I know there's executives from those uh, companies here today. And many of them are probably dying to get Gucci products into those channels, but you have thus far resisted. What is your thought process about those platforms?
0: (laughs) Our question in China. (laughs) I love the platforms. I um, me listen it's very much sooner or later we're gonna we're gonna end up in in working with with these platforms at the moment we are in a situation of wait and see uh, we are talking with these platforms I think for sure everybody is keen to get uh, exposed to all the data to the customers that is a uh, huge platform have in china um on the other side, I think we need to me- to make sure that uh, we maintain this uh, luxury feeling luxury perception and uh, this kind of exclusivity in in, in terms of uh, presentation, um, that is absolutely key for us. I mean, maintaining this positioning, um, and if you look at, I mean, if you look at the past, you look at fashion, why French and Italian brands were able to maintain this positioning for such a long time? Because I think that managers, and creative directors, they 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 are able to say no sometimes, so you don't, they don't just look for business opportunities all the time, uh, because you risk then to uh, to dilute the brand equity. That to us is the most important value. So I'm not saying that the plough is going to dilute the brand equity, but the, for the moment it, we are still at the very beginning. Of the of the process, and we want to make sure that it doesn't impact. So, I don't think that being the first mover is going to create a competitive advantage for us. So, in this case, instead of taking risk, I wait.
1: Okay. And what do you see as the risk? Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's pointing at Jessica Liu over there. What, <laughs> what's the risk? Is the risk is to be you know,
0: frankly speaking, in most of the platforms there's a lot of counterfeiting, and I don't want to certify counterfeiting because I, I, I belong to these platforms. And the point to me about the counterfeiting is not the counterfeiting in itself. The counterfeiting even a lot of things that completely unethical. Why a bag that's similar to the one that we produce cost $1 instead of 1000 of $10 instead of 1000 because you, you don't pay rightly the people, uh, you use black label, you use children, whatever you do. So it's something that I don't want to certify, I don't want to support. So this is the reason why it's not about the counterfeiting in, in, in the sense of they stealing revenues from me. I mean, I don't care, $8 million, $8 billion, $10 billion, $11 billion, doesn't change my life. The point is that there's something that is wrong about counterfeiting. And at the moment, it's something that I don't want to stay away.
1: right. Understood. Um, Marco, I want to talk a little bit about the future. You've set this target for Gucci yeah. to become a 10 billion euro brand in annual revenues. You're currently, in the last um, reported results, it was about 6.2 billion. So, you know, if, if, you know, I'm going back to this growth question, by the way, because it's, you know, that question everyone's asking me still. But, um, <laughs> So assuming you get to your 10 billion euro target in the next few years, which it seems, based on the current trajectory, is possible, what do you do then? How does Gucci continue to grow beyond the 10 billion euro uh, figure?
0: A famous crystal ball. Um, I don't know, in the sense that if you look at the market or in the luxury, let's put it in a different angle. If you look at the luxury industry today, it's 300 billion business, approximately. If we are going to be this year, I don't know, 7 or 8 billion, let's see. I cannot, I cannot talk about figures because we have the communication of the data next Monday, so they're going to kill me if I do it. Uh, but let's put 7, 8 billion. So it means that we have 2.5% of the total market. That is tiny, meaning the market is super fragmented, if I look at that instead of looking at percentage growth, I, st- I think there's still a lot to do. And then if you look at the uh, revenues, revenue stream, the product categories that we can exploit going forward, we have a huge potential in fragrance and, and beauty that is super tiny for Gucci, uh, wise for other brands uh, is quite important. So, and, and also I don't think that we are still capped in the other product categories. So. Uh, again, it doesn't. It, 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 it's not just a matter of how much you grow, but it, the way in which you grow. And if I think. The, to me, the, most, the reason why I think Gucci is going to be sustainable in the future, uh, I think, first of all, because we have the most talented people in the industry, I think. I mean, the creative director is, to me, the most talented that we have uh, in the industry. But also, I think that if we are able to maintain and to push even forward this culture of fostering creativity, of maintaining this um, love for taking risks and making mistakes and surprising people, uh, listen, did you ever think like five years ago that a luxury brand would have been able to create a campaign talking about Star Wars and aliens as Gucci did? I don't think so, no. right? No. So, and this kind of surprise element that we want to maintain and, and, and making sure that it, that is spread across the board and we are able to foster across, across the company for the 14,000 people, this kind of I mean, willingness to, to push uh, limits and push boundaries and um, relentlessly. Uh, and making sure that we, we want to, to challenge the status quo. That is, of course, the most difficult thing. Again, again you talk about culture, but then uh, I think most of the people in Gucci are very impatient and they like to change. And I think if I can maintain that, I mean, the sustainability is not an issue.
1: Okay. Well, you heard it here first, everyone. Gucci is going to continue to grow beyond 10 billion euros. Thank you, Marco Bizzari. Uh, he's a real uh, benchmark for the industry. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you.